again for another COVID update. Mm -hmm. I'm Nicole. I'm Laura. And this is Scissors and Scrubs. Mm -hmm. And we're recording on yet another glorious spring day in uh, Massachusetts. Yeah. It's pouring rain. Mm -hmm. It's probably 45 degrees. Beautiful. And I think there'll be snow tomorrow. And it's almost oh. May. I think no. I think no. I think I heard I heard snow in like New Hampshire. I can't. I can't either. You know, when you think about it, theoretically, pools could be open in a month. Memorial Day is in like a month. Yep. I know. So this week, we're going to cover a couple of topics. We're going to talk about some stuff we've heard in the news. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about um, tricks and pegs. Tricks and pegs. Yep. And we're going to talk about the tears. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, see, what's funny watching this, this way, you just shake your head and you yes me. Yep. Yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> smiling and nodding. I'm smiling and nodding. <laughs> All right, Laura, why don't you start with some of the stuff we're hearing in the news? Okay, so I think everyone's heard about this. Um, I don't even know how you actually say this. Chloroquine drug. Or, the malaria drug that's on the news that yes, everybody's talking about? The it's either hydroxychloroquine or just chloroquine. It's an anti-malarial drug. They also use it for, like, lupus and um, a few other things. Um, but So it's been everyone's talking about this drug. So I got this information from Centers for Infectious Disease Research um, and Policy.umn.edu. And this was, I got a lot of the information from an article written by Chris Dahl. Um, so anyways, the, the FDA has issued a warning about the use of chloroquine for treatment of COVID-19. The drug has the potential of prolonging the QT interval of the heartbeat which can cause abnormal heart rhythms, especially in patients that already have cardiac conditions. So this mm -hmm. drug it elongates your one of one of the parts of your heartbeat to that shouldn't be elongated. That should not be elongated. And then it can <clears throat> then that can lead to an abnormal heart rhythm, which then then can put you into cardiac arrest. So and especially people who already have a heart condition, this can happen to them. A lot of these people who are very, very sick have a heart condition already so this is not the drug for them you know so it's it's just a warning they're saying a warning you have to pay attention to who you're giving this to um the risks increase when they are given with when the chloroquine is given with azithromycin and um tamiflu and though that the azithromycin is the antibiotic they are using with the cocktail of mm -hmm. chloroquine because that's what they thought would work um so that is also a QT. That also makes that interval longer. Azithromycin. So if you're on both of those combined, it can cause sudden cardiac arrest. So some places have started giving people outside of trials and hospital settings these drugs, like different countries, right. wherever. The FDA is asking that usage be kept to trials or on certain hospital patients only. Like, they need to be monitored if they are on these drugs. Not, you know, don't go home and take this med. This drug is not for everyone. No, it is not for everyone, especially if you have underlying conditions. When you get it for malaria, A, you're not getting the same dose, and B, that's pretty well tolerated for most people. You can take it when right. you're pregnant. Kids can take it, it's, but it's not the same dose, and you're not taking it for the same reason, and your body isn't in the same 
condition. Condition it, as is with this COVID-19. Um, so there's a study in Brazil, and I think in Spain as well, um, that reva- that study revealed these QT elongations. They wanted to study 440 patients taking chloroquine, azithromycin, and Tamiflu to see, you know, you have to have a study. You have to have a control group. You have to have this, these get these, these get these. Um, they had a high dose group that was getting a high dose of the chloroquine, and they had a low dose group who was getting a much smaller dose and for a shorter time of the chloroquine. Their hypothesis was like they, what they thought was going to happen at the end was the high dose, the lethality rate in the high dose group would be half of that of the low dose group. So they thought this high dose was going to save people. Right. Much more than the low dose was. And that was over a 28 day period is what they wanted to study it on. But they had to stop the high dose group on day 13 because 39% had died. As opposed, to, yeah, as opposed to 15% in the low-dose group. So it was going the complete opposite, and it had a high mortality rate. So also the QT interval was greater than 500 milliseconds in 18.9% of the high-dose group, and it was 11.1%. It was greater than 500 milliseconds in 11.1% of the low-dose patients. So even in the low-dose patients, their QT interval was still longer than it should have been right. um, 11% of the time. So they had to move everyone down from, they stopped it. They said, no one else can, no one can be in this high dose group. We have to move. Everybody's in the low dose group and they are continuing the study that way. So it has, it's not for everyone. And the people in the high dose group were generally around 54. We're in the low, low dose group. They were in around 47 years old. Again, they're not old because they were only 54 in the high dose group. Um, and they had more underlying conditions in the high dose group. So again, with hot, you know, with underlying conditions, this was not working out. Right. Um, scientists and doctors continue to study these treatments, the same exact treatment, the chloroquine, the azithromycin, um, Tamiflu. They say more trials are needed um, to see if this actually has a good effect on it. They don't know yet. They, right. They, the study. There's a lot they don't know about any, any of this. Stuff. Any of this. In the and study that everything they can at it, right? It, which great, but you have right. to study it. In the study that the the where everybody heard this from was this French study, that was an uncontrolled study, so they didn't have a control group. Right. They didn't have a so they gave it. So you don't really know the results of the study if you don't have a control group in a study. Um. So anyway, so they say there's you, they needed a lot more trials. This drug should only be given in trials for this. Because they don't know the effect of it on COVID-19. They're hopeful, but they don't know. Right. Um, and also, they're trying a million different things. They are trying everything they can think of. They all want to solve this. Like no. Right, one... and if they thought this was a miracle drug, they wouldn't hold it back. No. For any reason. They would be giving it to everybody. Right. But there's a reason they're not giving it. Right. And even if it is a miracle drug and it was wonderful, do you think every hospital can get their hands on it? No. no. So I think one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this today is I have the same beef with this as I do with pharmaceutical companies putting commercials up for drugs that people don't understand. Because yeah. then they are going and being like, you need to take this drug, you need to right. take this drug. I want this man. <laughs> yes. So I have a cousin who is currently on a ventilator. He's, you know, it's two weeks in, he's, nothing happened, and... 
his healthcare proxy has had about 500 people call her to say, you're going to put him on this drug. It's all over the news. You're going to put him on this drug. And I think all I want to say to people is let the doctors do their job. Mm -hmm. They are throwing everything they can to keep mm -hmm. these people alive. And if they thought it would work, they would be using mm -hmm. it. All right. Yep. So just don't tell the doctors how to do their job. And they <laughs> let them charge. do their job. They, when I'm at work and I'm in charge, in the evening, you know, the ICU doctors come down and kind of all meet down there, just like mm -hmm. by chance. It's not a set meeting. And they stand around and they all talk about, okay, so we've been trying this and we've been seeing this with that. So now we've gone to do this and we're going to do that. And they, right. talk, it's constant brainstorming and thinking and watching and trialing and they're right. doing whatever they can to and there's give not better a outcomes. Drug, there's not a universal drug for everybody because no. everybody is so different. What worked for one patient right. may kill another. Right which is why we have the FDA. Right. They try to make sure as few people get hurt and they figure out the side effects mm -hmm. before they give it to you. Right. Now, granted, we're in an unprecedented time where we have a huge group of people dying and sick mm -hmm. and it was nobody saw it coming and we don't know how to deal with it because it's a virus we've never dealt with before. Mm -hmm. But the, you got to give them time to figure it out. Right. They will figure it out. You have the smartest people. Right. You know, I mean, but it's not all be working. Overnight. You have no. to give people and time to And it's trial and error and you literally have to have trials with control right. groups and this and that and all these variables like they all it has to be done in a scientific right. way and you can't just give somebody something especially if they have an underlying condition that the drug is going to kill them right before so I, I want to make it clear we're not taking any kind of a stance on this no good or bad yep. all we're saying is don't necessarily think that because you heard it on TV or you mm -hmm. heard it on the news, it's going to work for everybody and it is the miracle drug because it not necessarily is. Right. And you, again, let the doctors do their job. Mm -hmm. So, here we are six weeks into this. Yeah. So now, we're going to cover long-term care for these patients mm -hmm. because we were seeing the acute stages, which was, you know, patients coming in and what was happening in the beginning um, and now we're seeing patients on vents mm -hmm two or three weeks. So we're going to talk about what event is, why we call it event, or we're going to talk about what people who are on these, what they're going through, and then what a recovery for them might look like, you know, different kind of things like that. And then we're going to finish this up with the rollout, the tier yeah. rollout they're talking about. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to cover long-term care. Okay. All right. So, you know, you come in, you come in, they're coming into the emergency room and it's a real quick progression where they're like, I can't breathe. You know, and their O2 levels are dropping. So your normal O2 level is 100%. Just like school, you get 100%. Mm -hmm. And it, these people are dropping into the 80s, which is bad. Mm -hmm. You can't really survive or adequately breathe at 80. So then they intubate them. Mm -hmm. Intubate's in the word. Intube. Your tube goes down your throat. And it's a long tube that goes down your throat. It has a little blow-up cuff on the end of it. Mm -hmm. The blow-up cuff blows up to keep the tube in place so it doesn't move. And you don't jostle it out and now they can't breathe. So the tube is called an endotracheal tube. We're probably going to refer to it as an ET tube for the rest of the because endotracheal is a long word. Um, and they put the ET tube in to give your lungs a break. Mm -hmm. And so you can get the oxygen you need. They will perfuse your lungs better. And you, you aren't, if you've watched somebody who is struggling to breathe, it's a horrible thing to watch. The way they're, they're sitting, the way they're gasping, the way they're trying to get the full capacity 
And for them, it's probably the scariest feeling in the yeah. world to not be able to breathe. Um, so in order to put the tube in, mm-hmm. and when the tube goes in, there's tubing that hooks you up to a respirator, also known as a ventilator, also known as a vent. In order to do that, they have to keep you sedated. So these people are on a lot of drugs to keep them asleep. Mm-hmm. Because if you're awake, your body is going to fight it naturally. It doesn't want something down its throat. It wants to breathe on its own. So they have to kind of override your natural mm-hmm. response to breathe. Mm-hmm. And they sedate you. Yeah. So the problem with the sedation is a lot of the drugs they give you to sedate you cause other problems. Right which unfortunately my cousin is now seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the major problems with these drugs right now is we're running low on them mm-hmm. because so many people in the country are on these vents and respirators. We're blowing through these drugs. Mm-hmm. So drugs they would normally use to sedate somebody for an extended period of time are gone. Mm-hmm. So now they're finding other drugs and those other drugs come with consequences. And it, it becomes a slippery slope mm-hmm. when you do this, just trying to keep them alive. But then everything you're doing is also hurting the cause. Mm. So um, some of the problems that the drugs can cause are sinus infections, which my cousin has, mm-hmm. blood clots, mm-hmm. which my cousin has, skin infections, and organ failure, which my cousin has. Mm-hmm. So it can be, it's recommended that the ET tube only stays in for 10 days to two weeks mm-hmm. because prolonged intubation causes even more problems. Right. So you can get vocal cord paralysis. Mm-hmm. You can get ventilated-associated pneumonia, mm-hmm. sinitis, sinusitis, your, your infections in your sinuses. Mm-hmm. Oof, this is going to be one. Tracheomalacia, mm-hmm. which is a softening of the trachea, which means when you breathe in, your trachea collapses. Right. Not a good, not a good thing. No, you want it nice and ringed and hard. Yeah, <laughs> you want it. You will like it hard. It's yeah. going to be hard when it's soft. It's not good. Not good. Um, laryngeal tracheal stenosis. Mm-hmm. Which, and then you can get obstructive fibrosis tracheal membrane, which is like this thick tissue that will develop around the cup of the tube. So mm-hmm. the cup of the tube can become a big problem mm-hmm. because that's where it can necrose part of the trachea from being up too long. Mm-hmm. Um, it can cause tracheal stenosis. When that happens, a lot of these people have to have that part of the trachea removed mm-hmm. and redone. And that's another big, huge process. Mm-hmm. So to try to prevent all these problems with the ET tube being in, they will give somebody a tracheostomy, mm-hmm. or as we call it, a trach. Mm-hmm. So a tracheostomy, anything that ends in the word ostomy in medicine means you've made a hole into something. So a tracheostomy means you made a hole into the trachea. Um, and this hole will usually be done under the vocal cords to avoid um, vocal cords wow. damage, and they're going to put in a little tube that now will hook to the ventilator mm-hmm. and will ventilate them without that cup being up and it's something that as they're weaning them off the ventilator they can potentially breathe on their own through the trach whereas it's hard to breathe on your own through the tube Mm -hmm. so um not only do they have tubes in their throat to help them breathe they have tubes in their bladder to help them pee they have tubes in their rectum to help them poop Mm -hmm. and they get tubes in their stomach to help them eat I think uh, that's a part that people don't realize. And I was actually talking to my friend today, and I was saying about like trachs and pegs, and it's like I don't, I didn't, like I never thought of that just because it's not part of anything that you would think of right. in a normal daily life. Like if you have a tube in your throat, you are not eating. Like you have to, like, but you don't think yeah. of that when you're thinking of these people on these machines and life support, and you know, like that's a major 
once you get trached or intubated, you have to have some sort of nutrition. Yes, nutrition. And you have to have a way to get rid of urine. Mm -hmm. You have to wait. And and also, like, before you even get into the G-tubes, you know, these patients, people don't realize this either. When you're sleeping in bed and you're laying in one position for an extended period of time, your body on its own will tell you to move Mm -hmm. because you're getting uncomfortable and you'll move and switch positions. When you're on a vent and you're sedated, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. So you have people in there moving these patients every two hours. Mm -hmm. And in the case of the COVID patients, they're moving them from their back to their face often. Mm -hmm. And if you, I know people are like, oh yeah, we're moving them. Try flipping a 320 pound male onto their face and making sure that they're positioned in a way that they're not going to have any tissue damage. Mm -hmm. Because when their tissues die from being in a, if you don't move them, they get pressure ulcers. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. And the pressure ulcers cause a whole nother problem for patients with infections and the skin breakdown Mm -hmm. and they can need bone work if the pressure Mm -hmm. ulcer is bad enough. So the nursing care is, this is all part of what these ICU nurses are going through. They're turning these patients Mm -hmm. and, feeding tubes and I mean it's insane so um and what they're seeing is as soon as they put them on their face they're seeing immediate improvement Mm -hmm. in the oxygen right so I've even been telling patients at home who were like I'm having a tough time breathing I'm like well when you're watching tv lay in your stomach Mm -hmm. it is it gives you more lung capacity so um when the g-tube and the trach go in it's usually after a patient has been on a prolonged course of um, unconsciousness. This isn't something like, you know, you go in, you have an ET2 place, and they're like, okay, we're doing a G2, because they don't, it's, it's like after weeks yeah. that they're going to They're hoping to. you can get off before you have to do all this stuff, yeah. and when you're not showing signs that you will be able to be weaned, they right. then do interventions. Right. So um, feeding tube is usually placed into the stomach, mm-hmm. and I know that sounds silly for me to say it that way, but sometimes feeding tubes have been placed in the colon. Mm-hmm. Now, that's for other cases, but usually they're placed in the stomach. They put an endoscope down the esophagus, Mm -hmm. and they will go into the stomach, and they'll find a spot, and it actually lights up the stomach, and you can see it through the abdominal wall. Mm -hmm. And then they will go in through the abdominal wall, make a small incision, place the tube through there, and with the scope, they're able to place what they call a peg. Mm -hmm. And then they will feed them that way. Once a trach and a jeep tube are placed, a patient can live unconscious for a very long time. So this becomes a concern, not so much for COVID patients, because we're hoping all of them are going to come off of these within a few weeks. Right. But when you get into elderly people, terminal people, you know, there are cases where you don't always want to have a trach and feeding tube place because once they're in, you cannot always discontinue mm-hmm. them. And that can create other problems because they can live for a very long time yeah. like that. So, unfortunately, what some of these patients are facing now are trachs and pegs, mm-hmm. because the two, three weeks is a very long time to be on a vent, right. and that's what they're finding they need. So, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure my cousin will be trached pretty soon, mm-hmm. um, and hopefully it'll be what he needs, and we can get him on the other side. Right. So, that being said, I think we're moving on to once That's these patients start getting better and mm-hmm. moving to rehab and the hospitals aren't overwhelmed, we're going to try to open this country back mm-hmm. up. Yeah, at some point. Um, so I got the phases on whitehouse.gov. Um, it's called Opening Up America again. Yeah. I got my information from all over the web. Yeah. Okay. So if you have <laughs> and my name, own personal knowledge. <laughs> WebMD, 
blood, lung, and yeah. I don't know, heart. I got it everywhere. Um, so there's a three-phase approach to help state and local governments when reopening. It's guidelines, pretty much, yep. that they've put forward. So there's criteria that has to be met for, before you get to the phases, and there, and these, this criteria has to be met to go on to every phase. Right. So it always goes back to this gating criteria. That's what they call it, gating criteria. So it's like <laughs> a gate until you meet it, then it opens, you can mm-hmm. go to the next thing. Um, so the, these gating criteria have to be satisfied before the phased comeback can start. So before you can even go to the phased comeback, all this has to be satisfied. Um, there has to be downward trajectory of flu-like illnesses reported within a 14-day period and downward trajectory of COVID-like cases reported within 14 days, both. Flu-like so for 14 co- days in a row, they have to be going down. down. Mm-hmm. Okay. And again, does it say they have to go down by 100, by 1,000, by 2? They just can't be increasing. They cannot be increasing. And I don't know, like, if it went down one every day, I don't know that that would be cause to open. I think it, right. it will probably have to be a significant showing. Um, there has to be a downward trajectory of documented cases within a 14-day period or a downward trajectory of positive tests as a percent of total tests within a 14-day period. So if you are, even if you're testing more, the amount of positive tests have to either stay the same as they were or, or, um, yeah, no, you have to, I'm sorry, you have to test either, you have to be testing the same amount or an Mm -hmm. increase in tests to get that, um, downward trajectory you can't stop testing and say oh our gotcha you know gotcha. like you have to keep them out the same amount or yep. test more and have a decrease in it um is that didn't clear? China stop testing i don't i think at some point i don't know what they're doing i think they i think a couple of weeks ago like oh we're just not testing anymore right well and like like you can't do that like someone could say like yeah 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 we're fine and and not test as much right well now you don't know if your numbers are down or up so it has to stay the same or you have to be testing more and your numbers have to be going down right that on top of you have to have lower number of cases. Um, hospitals in that area, whatever area you're in, so we'll say Massachusetts, have to treat all patients without crisis care and have robust testing programs in place. <laughs> robust. Yep, for healthcare workers. So healthcare workers need to be getting tested to even mm-hmm. start this, um, including antibody tests. Do we have those yet? They're out somewhere. I don't know where they're. St- I know they started doing some sort of like um, testing in like the Boston area, like in hot spots. Mm-hmm. They're starting this week, I think. So it's coming. I don't. Okay. I think right now because the cases are still so much, mm-hmm. they're just testing for the positive cases. Um, and every state um, has core preparedness responsibilities, which are. Testing and contact tracing. Mm-hmm. They have to have the ability to quickly set up safe and efficient screening and testing sites for symptomatic individuals and trace contact of COVID positive results. You have to be able to test everyone and to be able to trace everybody they've been in contact with. Um, Let me tell you, that ain't fun. No. It ain't fun at all. No. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to have the ability to test... Um, um, non-symptomatic people and trace contacts that are non-symptomatic of COVID positive results. Um, They have to ensure they have um, 
surveillance sites for screening of asymptomatic cases in COVID positive contacts. So these are like, they want them in places like housing projects, um, elderly where there's a lot housing, of people living together. where there's a lot of people living together and just checking who has anything. Let's test you, see if you have anything, even if you don't have a symptom. Um, cause that's how they'll spread it. Mm-hmm. Um, the healthcare system needs to have the ability to quickly and independently supply sufficient PPE and critical medical equipment to handle sur- the surge. Mm-hmm. They also have to have the ability to surge ICU capacity. So like we in Boston, some of the hospitals, like the hospital we work at, we made six new ICUs in a, what, yeah. a week. Like we have the capacity for surge ICUs. Some places do not have the capacity. You know, it's like they don't have the staffing. They don't have the vents. Right. They don't have right. whatever. So that you have to have the ability to surge ICU capability. Um, capacity, I'm sorry. They need plans in place to protect the health and safety of those workers in critical industries, to protect the health and safety of those living or working in high-risk facilities, like nursing homes, mm-hmm. whatever, group homes. Um, they protect employees and users of mass transit. They need to I, have, I don't know how you're going to protect people on mass transit. Well, I think do, like, only a few people a car, you, you know, you stay separate, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, slow it down like they ha- don't have a lot of this stuff in theory is great but could you a picture and now everybody goes back to work and you tell only four or five people they can get up well obviously it would be more but only a few people at a time can get in a car when everybody's waiting to go to work it's gonna be a nightmare yeah so either they'll have to run more trains or yep. I don't know. but these are kind of just like this is your this is what every state has to do this is your every state's responsibility to be prepared for this stuff this right. is what everybody right. should be doing um um, where was I? Use the mask. Right. Advise citizens on social distancing and face coverings, monitor conditions, and immediately take steps to limit and mitigate any rebounds or outbreaks. Um, so long, shit. Yeah. By so it and how you would do that is you would have to be immediately be able to restart a phase or return to an earlier phase. So you can't like get rid of like whatever you were doing before. You have to have right. it because if you have any rebounds or any you know, this is coming back. You have to go right back. So phase one. So if you get through all that gating criteria, if you can do that's all just of, one phase. No, that wasn't even a phase. That is what has to be done before you can get to a phase. Oh, we're never getting all <laughs> of this shit. <laughs> well, some places forever. are open it, but I'm like, I don't know that you did all this stuff first. So I don't know. Whatever. Oh God. Well, that's the thing. How are they going to prove it? I. There should be checks and balances. I don't know. Um, but so that's you have to have all that stuff. Forget it. I'm in this house forever. Well, we have most of that stuff. You know what I mean? Like they're doing testing. They're doing testing right. in like the homeless community. They're doing like all that stuff is those sentinel surveillance and all that stuff. The trains have, you know, they, they've stopped everybody going into one train. You can't have that many people. Right. Like all that. We kind of have that stuff in, in place. We can do all that stuff. So once our numbers and testing come down, then we have we the stuff in place that we can go to phase one. So phase one is if you satisfy all of that gating criteria, <laughs> you can start in phase one. All vulnerable individuals sh- should continue to shelter in place. Phase one, elderly, anybody with underlying conditions, anybody on chemo, any anybody with a condition kind that makes them issue. Vu- vulnerable still need to shelter in place as they are doing now. 
your parents aren't coming out of your house to come over yours. Yeah, tell Emily that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and people living with a vulnerable person that need to go back to work or can start going back to work or can start going to do other things need to really isolate that person from themselves because mm-hmm. that person still is not safe to go out. Um, and you are going to bring it home. Um, right. Everyone, when in public, should maximize physical distance. Social settings of more than 10 people should be avoided where appropriate distancing cannot be done. So you, you can't go to like a 10 person, I don't know, you can't have 10 people in a small room. You know, right. Right. you still have to, it shouldn't be a gathering over 10 people and you still have to maintain distance. Um, avoid socially socializing in groups of more than 10 people. Minimize non-essential travel and adhere to CDC guide, guidelines regarding isolation after travel. There will still be isolation after travel if you travel during this time. Employers should continue to encourage telework whenever possible. So still, they should still be keeping their employees home, working mm-hmm. from home if possible. Keep them home, yeah. Yep. Um, and they should have people return to work in phases if possible. Like, okay, five of you come in this week, you know, five yeah, you come yeah, in yeah, next yeah. week, whatever. Um, close common areas at work. If you have a staff break room, close it. They're eating at their desks. Like, no one should be gathered together eating. Um, enforce strict social distancing when people go back. Minimize non-essential travel for work as well. Strongly consider special accommodations for personnel who are vulnerable. So if you say, okay, we have 10 people in this office only, everybody comes back to work in phase one. If you have an elderly person working with you or someone who has someone with them, home with them that's on chemo or, you know, has a condition, you should really make concessions for them. Yeah, you work from home or, you know, you come in and you know, for an hour in the morning when no one else is here or whatever. Um, school and youth organized activities are to remain closed during phase one. Um, visits to senior living facilities and hospitals should be prohibited during phase one. Large venues like sit-down dining, movie theaters, churches can operate under strict physical distancing protocols. So that, I don't know if it will be like 10 people in one movie theater, like how many tables you're going to be allowed to have in a restaurant, but it's going to they're going to have to take out a lot of their tables or just not use them. Um, elective outpatient surgeries can resume as clinically appropriate outpatient. So like, you know, the little, um, help me. Well, biopsies and things like that. Yeah. All right. And like, there's all those places that are like little satellite little surgery centers. Surgery centers like we the, can't until our ICU is right back to just being, a, you know, recovery. We have four recovery rooms right now being used as ICUs. Right. So, so if, if they're outpatient surgeries, they can resume as clinically appropriate. Um, gyms can reopen if they adhere to strict physical distancing and sanitizing protocols. So I don't know how they're going to do this. I don't know how they're going to do that. Like, okay, there's 10 people in here right now. So you have to go wait in your car until one comes. Like, I don't know what they're going to yeah. do. Call ahead, get a number. I have no idea how they're going to do that, but that's phase one. And um, bars remain closed in phase one. Phase two. Phase two. Right. For regions or states with no evidence of a rebound and that satisfy the gating criteria a second time. So that gating criteria, all that stuff about the downward trend for two weeks, that has, has to, to again happen. You, you have phase. to have another two weeks of the downward trend to go to phase two. You know what I mean? Like all, no, they I have do. to go I down. make sure you're not having a rebound from it. Right. So everything is two weeks. Right. It has to be again for another two weeks. You have to be in that phase one with downward numbers. In, for two weeks for you to be able to go to phase two. 
Um, all vulnerable individuals continue to shelter in place in phase two. Still, you're not going out if you are in a vulnerable position. All people in public should maximize physical distance for others. Social settings of more than 50 people should be avoided. So now we've upped it from 10 to 50 in phase two. Mm-hmm. Non-essential travel resumes. So you can go back on vacation. Except I don't know how you're going on a plane with <laughs> less than 50 people, so I don't know. Some, no. some part of essential. Nobody's flying anyway, so. No. Um, employers should continue to encourage telework. If you can do your job from home, let them do their job from home. Um, they should keep common areas at work closed. Um, and if you have to have an area for them to eat, it should be, you should have social distancing guidelines, like only so many people can be in there at a time. Um, strongly consider, again, special accommodations for vulnerable personnel, again, in phase two. Schools and organized youth activities can reopen. Again, you can only have 50 people, though, so... The actual public school cannot reopen. You know, there might be a small. Not unless you're in Iowa where there's like right, maybe there's nobody. <laughs> and then, or like a like, I think that's more like a daycare, um, right. a soccer right. team. You know, like something like that. Not like you couldn't go back to a public school around here, right? Because of the amount of kids in a building. Um, visits to senior care facilities and hospitals hospitals should still be prohibited. Still, no visiting mm-hmm. your seniors, um, or in the hospitals. Large venues. Large venues can operate under moderate physical distancing protocol, so they can add more people in to restaurants, movie theaters, right. what have you. Not what it was, though. Um, elective outpatient and inpatient surgeries can resume as clinically appropriate. So if your hospital is okay to do it, you have the staff and you have the capability, you can resume all your um, elective surgeries. Um, gyms can stay open if they adhere to strict <laughs> physical distancing and sanitization protocols. Um, and bars may operate in stage two with diminished standing room occupancy where appropriate. So you can't be packed in. I, I think probably they have to have so many seats and that's all you can have in the right. bar. Um, well, I mean, it looks like two, we're probably going to be in stage two in the middle of summer. Uh, and yeah. that provides outdoor seating for a right. lot of places, right. which... I feel much better when I'm outside. I don't like to be in a building now, but if I'm outside, I'm not worried. Right. But even there, like, you can't be... Close to... Right. You can't be, like, standing around, hanging around. Like, you can be at a table for four, and they can be at a table for four, but you can't... You know how people just kind of congregate in a bar? Yeah. You can't be doing that still. Um, So, phase three is for regions or states with no evidence of a rebound, and that satisfy the gating criteria a third time. So... Minimum you're going to be in phase two is two weeks because right. you have to do that again for two weeks, have lower numbers and no sign of a rebound. So vulnerable people can resume public interactions in phase three, but should practice physical distancing and minimize exposure to social settings where distancing may not be practical. Don't go into a crowd, still stay far apart. Don't go into groups like they're still going to watch. They're still vulnerable. Right. I just want to go to the mall. Oh, God, yeah, that's going to be forever. I want to shop so bad, I can't stand it. <laughs> I never go to the mall. I said to Brian, watch it, because once I get out of this house, the money's going to go flying out with me. Oh, my God, I just do it right <laughs> online. Online, best way to go. No, but I like to poke and look and, yeah. you know. I, I, I literally never go to the mall. Like, very I, rarely, unless I, like, have to get something right there. Um, the low-risk population should consider minimizing time spent in crowded environments. So, if you and I, like, if we're out, I'm like, oh, we can go down here. There's a ton of people there. You probably still shouldn't go where there's a ton of people. 
Right. Um, employees can resume unrestricted staffing at work sites. So back to work regular. Um, visits to senior facilities in hospitals can resume, but everyone going there and working there should be diligent about hygiene. You going to mm-hmm. see your mother? Make sure you didn't go to the supermarket first. Wash your hands. Right. Use hand sanitizer. Don't touch everything in there. You know, like, be conscious of your hygiene. Um, large venues can operate under limited physical distancing protocols. So, again, it's it's less, but it's still not going to be the same as it was. Um, gyms can stay open if they still are adhering to standard sanitation protocols. So, they do not have – it sounds like they don't really have to do the physically distancing at gyms in Phase 3. Yeah. Just clean really well. Um, <laughs> and bars can operate with increased standing room occupancy where applicable. So, they can have people – standing but not you know it can't be like a crazy packed place so then they have guidelines that you should use for all three phases you should just be using these from now until god knows when yeah just do it forever really most of it is please god let people change into doing this all the time and maybe we won't have this problem um wash hands with soap and water or use hand sanitizer especially after touching frequently used items or surfaces please do that anyways just make that a practice in your day like just Please do that. Uh, avoid touching your face, which I keep doing constantly. I know. Um, but try. I'm more conscious of it. Try to not well, touch your face. Well, since I've had my man hands, I keep biting my nails. Oh, yeah. Um, sneeze or cough into your elbow. <laughs> Put your elbow in front of your face. If you sneeze mm-hmm. or cough, and what is so hard about this? Well, I don't know I why. coughed into my shirt. I lifted up over yeah, my nose. Either way. And I coughed into my shirt. Or, or they say you're a tissue, but I just feel like that's going right through onto your hand anyway. So just put your <laughs> elbow in front of your face. Um. Disinfect frequently used surfaces and items as much as possible. Clean your stuff. Clean your stuff. Yep. Clean your stuff. Why? 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 Just clean it. Just clean. Clean your house. Um, Strongly consider using face coverings when in public. And that goes, I mean, probably after the phases are done. Yeah, I'm not going to be doing that the rest of my life. No, but I think still during the phase, if you are in a big crowd, have something with you maybe. Um, And up until then, you know, people still sick. Put on something when you're going to the store. Um, if you feel sick, stay home. Stay home if you are sick. <laughs> Do not go to work or school if you are sick. Again, this seems like it's common sense stuff. But it's not. But it's not. Um, and contact your doctor if you're sick. Call your doctor. Be like, hey, this is what I'm feeling. He might say, what do you hey, think? don't go out. Stay the hell home. Um, employees need to develop and implement a Appropriate policies regarding social distancing and protective equipment, temperature checks, sanitation, use and disinfection of common used in high traffic areas, and business travels. They need to they need to develop plans to help cut this down in the future. Yep. Um, and they have this CDC has guidelines. You know, like there's all these guidelines that all these places can use to help cut down. Even now, like you saw how fast, like the not fast enough, but like at supermarkets and stuff, they have the plexiglass, they have this, they yeah. have that, like, yeah. they need to, so now these are probably part of their, you know, most stores are probably ad- adapting to this stuff, but you have, like, now everyone, they want everyone to have some policies and procedures, so you know if something like this ever happens again, immediately you can start up right. with doing this. Um, and do not allow symptomatic workers to return to work without medical clearance. I don't care how bad you want them there. If they return to work without medical clearance, they're going to give it to somebody else, and then you're going to be out yep. 10 employees the next day. Don't yep. let them back without medical clearance. 
monitor your work staff for symptoms. Look around. Take a look who's at the floor. Who's sneezing? Who's coughing? Right. Exactly. Go to the break room. See what's going on. See who doesn't look well. See who's right. Sneezing, coughing. You look like you haven't slept in a week. Like check right. people out. Um, obviously, don't get you can't get personal, but you can you can keep an eye on. Well, what's I mean, going if I show up to work with no makeup on, they're gonna send me I, right I'm home immediately. Um, <laughs> develop and implement policies for work workforce contact tracing following employee COVID positive tests. Don't just rely on the city or state to follow up on the COVID positive test. If you know if an employee get, contacts you and says, I'm positive, look back. When did they last work? Who, and did, who they, did they work with? You have to have a, a way to trace your employees right. for contacting. And that's about that's the guidelines. When do you think we're ever going to see sports arenas open up again? I have no idea. I Honest to God, I know it's stupid. I think that's literally the thing I miss most. I love sports so much. Like, I just, I don't know. I just, I really, don't. I was even thinking, like, you know, obviously when school is canceled there, um, sports are canceled. So, like, you get a refund. You know, we have to pay for the high school sports. So, they're going to either refund you the money or they, oh, you can leave it and put it towards yeah. fall. Or put it towards the fall sports where she plays football. And I'm thinking, I don't know they're going to be able to play football. That's 50 kids on a team. That's yeah, 50 kids. And the stadium's packed on I Friday I mean, and the stands. But even just, even if they said no fans. Just to play, there's minimum 40 kids on a high school football team, right? And then they're playing against another 40 kids. That's 80 kids. Then they're in the locker room together. I'm like, I don't know how that's gonna happen. You know, like, so I'm like, just give me my money. I'll pay in the fall if they reopen it. But I just we can't. got the letter from um, the little league because my daughter plays softball mm-hmm. and we already paid and everything. And they're holding off and they're holding off and they're holding off. And the guy running it's kind of frustrated because he's like, it's really based on. The Little League World Series. They're like, they make so much on the World Series, yeah. they're reluctant to put it off. That's in August, but, though. Yeah. You but they the whole based season the whole season, that. apparently, right. on this. Yeah. So, I'm like, well, we're already a month into the season, right. for the girls, at least. Right. It's like, well, maybe we'll combine it and do July and June. I'm like, you guys got to make a decision soon. Yeah. You know, we're, go- we're going into May now. They're going to make a decision. But I just keep hating to seeing all this stuff keep getting canceled and canceled and canceled. And I know we're doing all this for the good reason, but a part of me feels like we're getting on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. And I just want to be done. <laughs> I'm getting exhausted. We've done six weeks of this now. I don't know how much longer we're going to keep everybody in and away from me. I want to be with people. I want to be out. I want to, you know, I don't want to be judged if I'm walking with my husband. <laughs> so. Yeah, I don't. I know. I, I live in a town where they're policing each other and who's yelling at who. Oh, everybody needs to get off of stupid Yeah, stop Facebook. policing each other. It's none of your business. If they're not right. coming to you or someone you know, you don't know if they live with them. If they, yeah, I see like two grown women. I know you don't live together and I know you're walking two feet apart, but you know, right. like, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not judging. I'm not here to police you. Like, do I think you should be? No, one of you can absolutely walk six feet apart from the other one. Yeah. However. That's what I do. I do what I'm supposed to do. So I just... I, I do what I'm supposed to do yeah. and I worry about myself and my family. Mm-hmm. I can't worry about everybody else's family. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not going to put your picture on about, Facebook and shame you. Yeah. No. The only thing I'm judging is if you leave your goddamn gloves on the sidewalk oh. or mask. Or the other new thing. Okay. This is totally not COVID related, but it's the dog poop in the bag. If you're going to take the energy do to I bag up the, bag? the dog... I've never sh- understood that. They leave it on the sidewalk. Right. Why? You already put it in the bag. Just carry it yes. in the bag. It's clean. And you know what? If you're not going to throw it out, then leave it no. out of the bag. 
wash it away. I don't know. Is it like, do they think like, oh, well, if someone steps on it, they won't get it on their shoe? Why bother doing that? I just, I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know. It's like infuriating me (laughs) because apparently I've been walking all over the town. Yeah. And And I see it all the time. (laughs) Yeah. I don't get it. No, I don't either. Big pet peeve of mine. Yeah. Anyway. So weather is starting to break a little bit so at least we're able to get out but it's funny because i went i took the kids yesterday on a hike um out to western mass we went to this purgatory chasm which is kind of a cool little place mm. and it was a gorgeous day it was first real nice day we've had a long time packed yeah that's the thing social distancing was out the window mm-hmm. the kids like other people's children were literally holding on to me to walk by mm. that's clearly not six feet apart you know what i mean no it was packed and they could put all this in place, but I think the moment things start getting really nice outside, this is what's going to happen. Well, People are just going to do whatever why they want. And that's the problem. That's why they're shutting down some of these state parks. Right. Like right. you take, yeah, it's getting taken away because people won't listen. Listen or look and say, there's too many people here today. I'll, I'll come back tomorrow. You know, like you have to kind of, you know, people can complain that things are closed, but it's because. No one's listening. Well, the you know, thing is, they've closed everything at this park, but you can still walk into it. It's kind of like Breakheart. You can find a parking spot, you can walk into it. Well, they so, have, the one near me, they have a uh, state police officer outside. No. No cops, no nothing. People, I mean, it, it was insane. It was insane. I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, so I just think, you know, it. I know they have to close stuff, but the more they close, the more they're keeping people congregating in the same spots that are open. Yeah. The more trying to open, the more places people have to go, and the farther they can stay away from each other. I don't understand why Marshalls can't open. I never stand six feet next to somebody at Marshalls anyway. Come on. Come on, I don't. <laughs> if I have to pick through the rag, I get creeped out when people are next to me. I like to pick through the rag at my leisure. I want to look at my own. Sh- you know, I like the, I like my section. I like to go through the bed. You know, the clothes. Mm-hmm. Open Marshalls back up. I'm not oh, asking boy. for much. Oh boy. All right. So on that note. We are seeing a light at the end of the tunnel. It may be very dim, but it's coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't get discouraged. We're mm-hmm. going to get there. But keep doing what you're supposed to do or we won't get there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Another two weeks. Another two weeks. I think we're going to be looking at a new normal on the other side of it. Yeah. Even schools, like, they're like, I don't know what they're going to do in the fall because they're like, we can't have all these kids on top of each other anymore, like. They're thinking of, like, how they're going to do school come the fall, so. I don't care how they do it as long as it doesn't involve my home. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do, but they're like, this can't be, like, you know what I mean? Like, they have to change. Yeah, but unless you're going to build more schools, how are you going to change it? I don't know. These schools, at least in my town, these people can't get their shit together to open, even build new schools. So our schools are over 100 years old. Yeah. They're packed in like rats. Yeah. What are you gonna do? I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. They're saying all sorts of different. Like, have these kids come Monday, Wednesday? Have these kids come Tuesday, oh, Thursday? No, that's, that's just silly talk. So that's, I'm not having any we'll of that. See. It has to involve my child out of the home six hours a day in a facility. <laughs> five days a week. <laughs> that's five days a week that is parentally supervised mm-hmm. because I cannot do this any longer. Okay, I love them, but you gotta get out of my house. Especially when it's raining slash snowing outside. They gotta get out of the house. Yeah, yeah winter will be miserable. Winter would be terrible. Thank God yeah. it's the spring. Yeah. And you know what? Even if they like, they could stop hanging out with their friends. It would be helpful. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm at the point where, like, I wouldn't mind 
but I don't know how other parents feel, so I don't want to be the jerk parents that's like, um, sure, you could come to my house, and the mom's like, oh my god, and I'm getting judged, because mm-hmm. I live in a town that judged. Nicole, you can't, oh, we're gonna go back, you're gonna be a blogger. <laughs> One kid walking, come on, they gotta start getting out. Oh, well, I told them they can go for walks. I won't even let them go for a walk. You stay you know six why? feet apart. I feel like the parents are going to look at me being a healthcare worker. They're not going to want anybody around my kids. Oh, they just, they call and they'll say like, okay, we're going to go sit. And they literally sit at the basketball court. They're not playing basketball. And they sit, the four of them, in one corner of the court. Yeah, we're not, they won't even do that. A lot of their friends, their parents aren't even. Yeah, so they, they not constantly, but, you know, maybe once a week. They literally sit like. Uh, yeah. on the different sides of the thing I'm like people will take a picture people will post it on Facebook don't you dare get with it yeah. they're like I know he, you know my it's my old one he's like I know trust me I don't want my picture on Facebook being shaved either you know and I'm like okay because that's what people are doing now he's like I know so they're staying apart but at least they, they can do see that. each other you know yeah I know well yeah, my yeah. kids haven't even done that and they know what they want to see their friends so I'd like to be able to just be like yeah why can't one, one or two of them get together you know yeah all right. Anyway, we're getting on the other side. We have a fun episode for you next Monday. Yes. This will come out, I think, Monday, and then we'll have another fun episode for you next Monday. On Father's Day. And uh, we're working on Father's Day, and that should be fun, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, send us some reviews, send us some letters, send us some texts, whatever you want to send us, just so we know you're alive. Yes, please. All right. All right. Enjoy. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> like, subscribe, rate, and review the Scissors and Scrubs podcast on whatever podcast app you listen to us on. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Scissors and Scrubs. And email us any of your stories or thoughts to scissorsandscrubs at gmail.com.